Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Welcome to another episode of the Sword and Shield. This is Chief Master Sergeant Chris Howard, uh, Superintendent of the 960th COG. And uh, today we're lucky to have two guests, uh, one with us uh, through electronic means, uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, I don't know, zapped in. Uh, and uh, don't mind introducing yourself, sir? Yeah, uh, this is Captain Nick Nava. Um, I'm the 960th uh, Cyberwing non-EAD uh ACP program manager. I have been with the 426 for about two years, um, and I am a traditional reservist um, and live in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Well, welcome, sir. And we also have... Uh, I'm Lieutenant Adrian Anderson from the 426 NWS, and I am serving as the alternate program manager for the 960 Cyberwing non-EAD commissioning program. Well, welcome to both of you. Uh, thanks for uh, being here. Thank you for taking the time, and thank you for uh, really working on this program. Um, so you mentioned the program is non-EAD, but uh, most of people uh, recall it more as DACP. Can you explain that a little bit? Yes, sir. So when the new um, AF manual was pushed out in September 2019, they actually changed the program name. So we commonly receive it we see it referred to as DACP, but it is the non-EAD program. So when you are searching those terms online, especially through my purse, you'll see it as the non-EAD commissioning program. Okay, awesome. Uh, yeah, so we're going to have to learn a new acronym and learn a little bit of new uh, new terminology, but uh, the program's uh, essentially the same, correct? Um, Captain Nava, do you uh, can you speak to a little bit about the, our program here at the 960 Cyberwing? Yeah, Um so in large part, uh, the new program is the, the same. Uh, there's, a, there's some small differences. Um, I think what we know is the, D, the DACP or the Deserving, Deserving Airmen Commissioning Program. Um, I think that one was kind of based more on a yearly board. So, you know, every year, you know, there would be a, there would be a, a batch of, uh, you know, prospective uh, commissionees that would go up to a board with their package and then go through the process. Um, our new program, uh, has the same goal of producing high quality officers, uh, from our own wing. Um, but it's more of an ongoing process. So there's not like a, there's not like a drop dead date where you have to have a, you know, package and artifacts in, uh, in order to be considered. Uh, it's more of an ongoing thing, uh, which I think people will find more, um, more, more, more comforting. I guess. So, you know, you're not uh, anticipating meeting a board, kind of just going through through the process at your own pace. Okay. So, I mean, just to, to clarify a little bit, right. Um, instead of going through an annual board where, Hey, uh, let's say November, we're going to do this and everybody puts their package together, <clears throat> meets the board. And then there's selectees. Let's say we pick five of, of 10, mm-hmm. right. Yep. Um, this is the ongoing process is that as jobs are open, then it's an individual uh, competition for each one of those jobs, correct? Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, it's kind of based on the members' uh, motivation too. Um, you know that one board. You know the board used to used to meet once a year. Um, you know if you're if you're motivated and 
you know, the stars aligned, then, you know, potentially, you know, you could get through the process, uh, you know, quicker than that. So. Okay. Gotcha. And I know you mentioned something about uh, being a program for our wing. Is it limited to just our wing or can anybody out there in the reserves apply? Um, yeah, so it's kind of focused on our on our wing. Uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get talent, you know, that we have in our wing because there is there, there's a lot of it. Um, but yeah, we are we are we are starting to look outside outside the wing and you know bring other people that are you know very very well qualified um, into the nine sixtieth. Okay, awesome, Lieutenant Anderson. I know you've worked on a lot of the products that. Uh, are, we're using for this program. Can you talk about some of the items that are necessary uh, for the package? Yes, sir. So initially I would like to draw attention. We have created a CVR, a Microsoft Teams specifically for the non-EAD commissioning program. We've uploaded several how-to tutorials for members to go out and look at some of the products available. And I kind of walk them through how to go through those products. But some of the initial things that you will need is the Air Force Form 56, the Air Force Form 24. They are very hefty documents. So spending a lot of time refining those is going to be important. Additionally, letters of recommendation from previous commanders or senior leadership is also required. Um, one thing I tried to get people to look at initially is the a AFOQT. It's that qualifying test for officers. Making sure you have time to study and plan in advance is going to be extremely important, um, especially in the environment we're in today. The tests are limited and we want to make sure people have enough time to properly prep for that. Um, additionally, you're going to need some of your school education um, completion documents and personal letters, resumes, and all of those templates can actually be found on our SharePoint site. Awesome. Okay. Um, so you, you say that those are hefty documents. Um, uh, you're actually a graduate from uh, the old DACP program, correct? Uh, can you tell me a little bit of your thoughts um, and your feelings about uh, that program versus uh, the new program? Yes, sir. I can tell you that the program we are currently in today and that we've developed for our wing is much more dynamic and it places a lot of responsibility on that enlisted member who is interested in commissioning. The previous program, as Captain Nava mentioned, would be a lot of members would try to rush and complete the documents or the, the package, and it wouldn't be necessarily complete. It wouldn't be 100% ready for the board, but they would push it forward anyway. Now, with this program, it is extremely dynamic and dependent on the member and their leadership. So you do have the time to ensure that you are pushing forward quality products. And the package is 100% complete for that commander that's conducting your interview. The previous process took roughly two years to get through for those wow. members. So okay. initial notification, you've been selected two years until you actually graduate OTS. And that was largely um, due to the medical requirements, unclear guidance. So I think with this new program, we've made it extremely clear of what we need, how we're going to get through the process. And I based this off of my package, okay. the, the current program, and I was able to get um, initial selection through OTS within one year. I actually graduated OTS within the same month that I was notified the year prior. So nice. this program, we're looking at nine to 12 months for total completion. Okay. Um, and you said, uh, you mentioned a couple of requirements there, right? So uh, I think it's... Um 
almost uh, expected that you have to have all the uh, education documentation uh, ready to go. Um, but the medical piece, right? So if, under this new program, I have to have all the medical and all of the documents ready to go before applying to that position, correct? Versus um, how you are identifying uh, some of the nuances of the previous DACP, or maybe we didn't have all that documentation ready. But in this program, you absolutely have to have all the documentation ready to go upon submission, correct? Yes, sir. We actually make it a two-step process. So for your initial package for the 960th Cyber Wing, whether you're within our wing or you're outside of our wing, you have to get an Air Force Form 422. This is the medical clearance form. You can get it from your servicing um, military treatment facility. So once you get that Form 422, that goes in your package to show that you are basic qualified for commissioning. Once you are formally selected by a commander within the 960th Cyber Wing, you will move forward to getting a DD Form 2808 and a 2807. And these are the actual physical uh, and they review your medical history to ensure that you're qualified. So they do the initial 422 and that shows that you are medically cleared to participate. And then once you're formally selected, we move forward with the actual physical that is required from the doctors. And that piece does take two to three months to get approved at the AFRIC level. Okay, so um, if I wanted to apply for a job that's opening next month, that may I may already be behind uh, that power curve if I don't already have that in the works, right? Yes, sir. And typically you request your Air Force Form 422 through your UHM. Okay. within your squadron and they can request it from your medical treatment facility. It does take about a month turnaround because we have to understand they're operating for the UTA, the, the doctors right. on hand. Um, now, if you are a GR, you do have somewhat of an advantage because you can leverage the active duty clinic to provide that 422 for you. Okay. Some great points. Awesome. Um, so Captain Nava, if I was to look for a job, if I wanted to be one of those, uh, uh, non-EAD uh, program uh, uh, participants, where would I find um, these particular jobs that are available for this program? Yeah, so the official um, location for that, for open jobs is uh, is RMVS. Um, my, my understanding is that's not always totally accurate and there may be openings that uh, aren't actually on there. Um, so in order to find jobs, uh, that's kind of where um, a, a prospective member uh, would kind of le uh, um, leverage their or their 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 squadron leadership um, to kind of talk to other other commanders uh, and, and see what's available. So that's why that's part of why it's so important that a prospective member, uh, you know, early on in the process, uh, talks to their squadron leadership and kind of gets their support so that they can help them uh, through through that part of the process. Okay, so like if I wanted to uh, do this, I'd let my commander know, I'd let my superintendent know and say this is the program yep. I want to go down and then they could help us, direct us to the uh, the products that uh, Lieutenant Anderson had already discussed uh, and then would help us you know, to kind of navigate that within the wing of what those jobs are located uh, as yes. well as uh, maybe some of those jobs that may not uh, be accurately depicted in RMVS, right? Right, right. Um, okay. Yes, and the wing does does have other products that they track uh, also. Um, so that's kind of part part of where I would come in is um, you know as members going through this process, you know, and I'm talking to their leadership. Um, you know, I would. That's kind of where I I would help is to help you know find that information um, so that the member can kind of find a uh, 
a, a prospective unit that they can that they can go to. Gotcha. And sir, you commissioned in a different format than uh, Lieutenant Anderson. Can you kind of give me your perspective of how uh, uh, there's a difference between the way you commission to, to this and what, what some of the, the, the benefits of either one are, are by chance? Sure. Uh, yeah, I've actually, I've actually talked to a number of people about this. So yeah, for those that don't know, there's, there's three, there's three main ways that you can commission um, the Air Force. So you can do our uh, ROTC, uh, which is what I did. Um, you can go through the Air Force Academy, uh, which is what some people do. And then you can also uh, go through um, officer training school, uh, which is for folks that um, have not, that are not currently in the military or are enlisted in the military and want to become an officer. Um, like I said, um, I did ROTC. So essentially that consists of um, going to college and um, basically our doing ROTC, it's kind of sort of like a second job is kind of what I found it. So ROTC, you know, I would go to class and, you know, do, do my college basically. And then also there were certain, um, certain requirements that I had to do every week. You know, I had to get up uh, twice a week and go to PT. I had, uh, you know, military classes that I had to go to. We have what's called leadership laboratory where we go and then we have like a mock student wing or cadet led wing, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, I did drill team, there's extracurriculars. Um, so it's kind of cool because, you know, I got the, I got to go to college, you know, the four year thing, and, you know, get that quote unquote college experience. But I also, you know, got my military training, um, while I, I was doing it. And while I think that's useful to kind of get that, um, you know, that perspective of, you know, going to school and getting that breadth of knowledge. Um, I also think that doing the commissioning this way, um, you know, having a, someone, is in, in the military and is, you know, skilled and of, of high character, um, a high speed person. I think that's, I think that's huge. Um, and honestly, from talking to, from talking to, um, people, I think that people kind of have a different kind of respect for officers that have been enlisted because they've been there. They know kind of what the enlisted folks are dealing with. They can kind of help them and deal with, with those things properly. Right. That's some great points, sir. I appreciate you. Uh, uh, sharing your story. So with this program, um, you know, different than ROTC, the being the program that uh, you were you were a part of. Uh, what are some of uh, the nuances that uh, a new, a non EED uh, program uh, participant uh, would actually uh, have to uh, look at and uh, be prepared for? Uh, that may be a little bit different than these other programs. Sure. Um, so I think with ROTC, I think one of the benefits there is that you kind of get to uh, ease into the military, just kind of kind of in, in, in general. Um, I think in a lot of ways, I was not, I mean, you're never going to be totally prepared, be prepared to be an officer in the U.S. military because that's a, it's an interesting profession and it's quite an experience. Um, there's a lot of responsibility. Uh, there's a lot of great I, I love being an officer, um, but I think you're never going to be totally prepared for it doing it the way that I did. Um, I think that being an enlisted member in the military, you kind of see, kind of have a taste of, you know, what you're probably going to see and probably have to do. So I think that's definitely a, a benefit of doing it this way. Um, I think being, being in, in our wing for about two years, um, I've seen and met a lot of amazing, talented, smart, very qualified, in my opinion, um, airmen, enlisted airmen that I think would be great, uh, great officer candidates. And I'm 
happy that we have this this program and, and this process um, to give those folks a chance to to step up if they want to, and uh, really make the Air Force a better place by um, lending their leadership and, and their talents. So I think it's awesome. Ah, great, sir, uh, Lieutenant Anderson. Uh, so being a a graduate of of a program like this, can you um, kind of uh, explain some of um, the uh, nuances, the changes, some of the things that you've had to deal with uh, transitioning from being part of uh, the elite enlisted corps that that uh, we have here at the wing, and now being part of uh, the elite officer corps uh, that we have here in the wing? Yes, sir. I have to agree with you. We have a complete elite enlisted force. Honestly, I came over from active duty in 2016, and I joined the AGR program with the 854. So that was my first real experience in the reserve. And I was completely shocked about how the reserve force conducts business, essentially. They are the backbone for active duty. They serve as the continuity. And I met so many qualified enlisted individuals who had a multitude of degrees, so much experience in their civilian job that they would bring back to the 854 costs. So I felt extremely um, excited and motivated to commission and learn how to make a difference with, you know, our wing. And I, and I saw the opportunity in 2018 for the commissioning board and at that time, the DAC people. And um, I immediately briefed it that I thought this would be a really great opportunity to continue to grow in the wing. And some of the nuances, you know, being, I was an E6 before I transitioned over to um, being a second lieutenant. And, you know, there, there is some definite growing pains that you experience. And I think that is with any transition in life or any transition, right. you know, in the military, I'm extremely thankful. And I had a friend ask me just yesterday, you know, how do you feel about this opportunity? And anybody I brief, I tell them, you know, if it's something you saw for your life five years ago or two years ago or a month ago, you know, there's nothing holding you back from at least trying and putting in a package because the minute you commission and you're walking across the parade field, you are just so elated and it is worth all the hard work, the process for the package, the frustration you're going to feel doing the same form 12 times. Um, you know, so it is all worth it. You're going to feel frustrated through the process. There are things that are going to seem, uh, you know, a little bit confusing when working through it. But Captain Nava and I and all of the leadership here are really um, going to assist you through this process. And you're going to grow and develop as a leader in the Air Force, as an airman, professionally and personally. Right. So um, I feel extremely lucky that I was able to grow as an E4, E5, E6, you know, in, yeah. in the reserve, and then transfer over to being a lieutenant. And thankfully, um, transitioning the units is also great. So I was enlisted in the 854. But I was picked up by the 426 uh, NWS to commission. And I think that really helps get a different perspective because you're not commissioning in the same unit. Right. You're not around the same people. So you have a little bit more flexibility with developing yourself as a leader. Gotcha. There's some good points there, right? And uh, it, it, the the piece that I would have kind of want to pick at is um, 
the eligibility standards, you know, because I know that uh, there's some things that uh, we don't necessarily see that may be a barrier. So if we know that now, how do we work around that? So do you know what those eligibility standards might be? Yes, sir. That is a great point. And I feel that is an initial gate for some individuals and they automatically get pushed back because they are unsure if there's a waiver for that requirement or maybe they exceed the waiver. So a few things I do want to address is initial. I think everyone talks about it is age. So, right. <laughs> right. So they, because I'm really old. <laughs> I, oh, I think I'm excluded. So, <laughs> so they redid um, you know, the, the Air Force manual, it is now 36, 20, 32 published, um, 27 September, 2019. So it is very fresh. Okay. And with this, they do address age. So the initial age cutoff is 40 by the graduation of OTS. Now this is on my PERS, it's in the Air Force manual. But one thing I want to address is adjusted age. It's kind of like dog years. So with adjusted age, if you have served in any other branch of the military, any other status in uh, the military, it essentially calculates how much good time you had into your age. So for example, if you are 40, real age, but you had you had completed four years uh, active duty in the Navy, it would essentially minus that from your real age. So in the eyes of the Air Force, you were 36. I just did public math. That's really important. I just want to... My mind's blown, it's right? It's recorded. I'm like 40-something. <laughs> Let's just say 42 for, for argument's sake, but I've got like 12 years of active duty, but it's Air Force, but that counts against me in that case, correct? Because it was Air Force? No, sir. So oh. it, it can even be the same service. It's just looking at the different status that you were gotcha. in. So this is all in the Air Force manual. You can check it out. Um, so initial age. Mm-hmm. The second that a lot of people, um, you know, kind of consider is possibly their degree. Maybe it's not in the right career field. So with the different types of officers that we have, you know, the degree is not necessarily considerable when looking at their appointment into either a 17 or a 14. Some experience might come into play for that, correct? Right. Yes, sir. They're, they do consider your experience as maybe a three Delta, a one Bravo, a one in four, one in O. Right. So that helps. Um, additionally, with the um, eligibility factors, they are considering your moral character, how are you as an individual? How are you as an airman? Um, a conscientious objector. Those are all parts of the application process that you have to acknowledge moving forward. And then I think one other thing that we look at often is the AFOQT scores. So typically there is a minimum for um, just being appointed in the um, officer core, right? Officer core, right? And so you know, if you take the AFOQT the first time and you do not meet the minimums, which does happen to individuals because, you know, there's a lot of different life factors, um, you know, there is guidance on when you can take that test again. You can take it up to three times with a waiver. All right. Yeah. That's, that was the next question I had for you is like, how many times can I take it? Can I take it unlimited, but no three is the magic number. Yes, sir. You can take it a second time without a waiver. You have to wait roughly six months and work with the education office on that. Um, so, you know, sometimes it's a setback. People get frustrated, but I take all of it as a learning point and something to grow from. Awesome. No, yes, sir. That's, that's some, some great points, right? I do feel like it was pointed at me with all those different questions, you know, about moral character and, that, <laughs> and capability and all that stuff. But I'll, I'll let that one go. Uh, Captain Nava, did you have anything to add about uh, some of those requirements or uh, any of uh, 
any other things that uh, you see as barriers that people are, are counting as a barrier that might not truly be a barrier? Um, no, I, no, nothing that I can really think of. Um, I think Lieutenant Anderson did a, did a really, really good job of, uh, kind of talking to those things. Um, there are, there are some disqualifying factors. Um, uh, I mean, I think some of those are, some of those are pretty obvious. Um, you know, kind of in general, you know, questionable, questionable moral character, uh, involvement with narcotics or illegal drugs, um, under restraint imposed by civil criminal court. Uh, if you've been disenrolled from an officer training program before, um, discharged with rank other than honorable. I mean, those are, you know, those are some pretty, pretty obvious things. Um, but I think, you know, from talking to people, I think the people that are interested in, you know, going down this path, I, I think they're in general probably going to be going to be qualified. So uh, great points. Uh, I think we've really hammered this out. I mean, there's so many questions that, that come up and there's so many different nuances, but it really comes down to looking at the AFI, looking at the program. Uh, did you, Captain Avi, did you have any closing um, points that you might want to make with the program as uh, we finish up today? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I just wanted to reiterate um, about the program SharePoint page. I think Lieutenant Anderson kind of mentioned it at the beginning. Um, if you go to the 960 Cyber Wing homepage on the left there, there's a little link for it. It says commissioning program. Um, if you go to that link, there's a lot of information. And that's kind of where I direct people uh, to go to first if they have any questions or if they're interested in uh, going down this path. Um, Lieutenant Anderson has done an outstanding job of setting that up, and there's actually even um, kind of um, template packets. So if you're going through the process and you're trying to fill out your packet, uh, there is a packet that Lieutenant Anderson put on there that has been successful in going through the program. Um, there's there's guidance, there's there's graphics that kind of walk through the process. Uh, Lieutenant Anderson's even done some videos walking through the process. So. Um, there is a lot of great information, and I would highly encourage uh, any prospective members and also uh, squadron leadership uh, that may have members in their squadron that are going through this process. I would I would highly encourage really everybody to go through that so they're aware of it. Awesome, sir. Lieutenant Anderson, you have anything to add? Yes, sir. I think Captain Nava did an excellent job really wrapping up the program. The other piece I just wanted to include was we do have a 960 Cyberwing Commissioning uh, Program Manager org box um, on Outlook that you can reach out to. Send us an email. Let us know if there's anything that you need help with, assistance, any clarification on questions, and definitely uh, leverage your squadron leadership. And if we can assist you in any way, just let us know. Awesome. Yeah, thank you to both of you guys, right? The the energy, the effort, um, the time that both of you have taken to take this program to the next step is phenomenal, right? Um, as much as I don't want to lose my enlisted uh, members to the officer corps, because um, I want to keep that good, solid leadership, um, that experience in place, um, I think this is a great program. I think it's an opportunity for some uh, unique uh, and talented airmen to move into the officer corps. So, on behalf of them, I want to tell both of you, thank you, right? Um, you guys are the ones that are building this program so that they have an opportunity. Lieutenant Anderson, uh, being a graduate uh, from it, you understand uh, the importance of it. Captain Nava, being an officer and seeing that talent um, and seeing the importance in that uh, means a lot to the enlisted corps. So thank you to both of you for your energy. Thank you uh, to both of you for your effort. Uh, and thank you for your commitment 
uh, to your airmen. You know, this definitely is uh, something that they, they're going to enjoy. Uh, and uh, for those that do get selected, uh, we'll be grateful for it. So thank you on behalf of them. So uh, for me to close out, I want to once again thank everybody out there, uh, all of you gladiators that uh, commit your time to the 960th Cyber Wing, uh, to the reserves and to your country. On behalf of a fellow citizen, uh, I'm grateful for your time, your effort, and the fact that uh, you're willing to raise your hand and uh, defend your country and defend your fellow citizens. So uh, gladiators, uh, best of luck to you and have uh, a great day.